you in so-called midlife and found yourself suddenly single after probably years of marriage and you're absolutely shitting it? Maybe you're on a divorce downer and have zero idea how the fuck to move on. Or you know how to in theory, but it's just not happening. If that's you, you're in the right place. This is the Divorce Chapter podcast, where we turn the unexpected divorce plot twist into a new and improved happily ever after. I'm Sarah Elizabeth, divorce coach and mentor, and I'm with you on this mission to rewrite our stories and make this next chapter the best goddamn one yet. Hello and welcome back to the Divorce Chapter Podcast with me, your host, Sarah Elizabeth. How are we? I hope after last week's episode, you've been putting things into place to protect your energy, trying to have a calm Christmas period instead of an utterly chaotic one. Actually, what I really hope is that you've all tried to shake, shaking it. Come on, humour me, please. Come on, yeah. No, okay, okay, I'll move on. On to episode 13, which may be unlucky for some. However, I'm not superstitious about the number 13. This is probably because my youngest son was born on the 13th. He was also born at 3.33, as in half the devil. But, you know, there wasn't a 666 on the clock. But honestly, seriously, I... I do consider myself incredibly lucky that he's my son. So 13 doesn't feel unlucky to me. Plus, my mum also had a 13th birthday, as does my eldest niece. So there, we are on lucky episode 13. And I actually wanted to talk a bit about the journey or rather trek to really moving on after divorce and the freaking roller coaster we go through to get there. Now we say I do, right? With the intention that we do commit to our wedding vows for life. Because, you know, traditionally, you know, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish or whatever it is until death do us part you know we all know that shit right the implication being that it is for life so when one half of the marriage decides to change their mind on that and we are forced into shifting from i do to i'm done but if only if it was quite that quick and simple eh? just saying i'm done i'm done Oh, my life, the impact on the partner who doesn't choose the divorce, the one that is still committed to the I do. Oh, my God, it's fucking huge, huge. So this week, I wanted to cover a bit about the journey, the excruciatingly painful at times trek of grief. Now, you may have heard this called the stages of grief. However, I'd like to think of it more as a journey or trek rather than 
separate stages. And this is because these stages, as they are known, and I will not talk about them today as stages, but they're not always linear. It can be a bit like a river with its changing currents and twists and turns. It can be really unpredictable. And just when you think you've negotiated one really challenging bit, the wind changes and you're back where you've just come from. It's hard. There's no escaping that or covering it with fairy dust to make it sound easier. Unfortunately, all of us being put into this unwanted position have to go through it. But I'm hoping that talking it through today might help be, I don't know, a bit like a lighthouse guiding the way, if you like, showing you where to go. Now, as I said, I'll talk about the different stages as they're known, but please remember this is not linear. It's not one straight line for all. So if you feel like you're going backwards and forwards in it, it's completely, completely normal in post-divorce grief. Okay. So first up, the shock and denial. For most of us, we just never saw it coming. Or even if the marriage was starting to be in stormy waters like mine was for the last year, I still never really believed that it would end. When I walked out that day, I honestly thought it would be for a night or two to get some space and think. I never, ever, ever thought it would be the end of our marriage. I really, truly didn't. So when he then refused to speak to me for so long and it became increasingly clear that the marriage was fucked, I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe it, let alone accept it. I thought all the thoughts, like he's, he's just angry that I went away. He just needs some time. He must still love me. And as I'm saying this, I realised all those early thoughts were all about him, his needs, nothing about me. It was the shock that this cannot be happening. And then onto thoughts like, what the hell do I do? I can't live without him because that's how it feels. Fear is just abject fear. Your life has changed in an instant. And this is where I talk about feeling like I was in an earthquake. You can get the feeling of being so nauseous, the wanting to retch. This is your sympathetic nervous system going into fight or flight or freeze or fawn. Adrenaline is rushing through every inch of you because of the shock and the fear. For me, I can close my eyes and remember that feeling of just wanting to retch all the time. The physical impact of shock on the body is often this nausea of anxiety, of panic, of disassociation. And it all comes through being completely fucking blindsided. I, for one, never saw it come in. So mixed within the shock is denial. It's just too unbelievable. We go numb. And then just as we start to move through the shock, we look frantically for ways we might be able to make it better, which can also be known as bargaining in grief theory. 
I know I spent hours and hours as I started to move through the shock and denial, trying to find answers because nothing made sense. It couldn't be real. I googled midlife crisis. I thought that must be it. I needed to find an excuse and a reason why this might be happening. I read this story from a woman whose husband, she said he'd had a midlife crisis, but she got him back in the end. I ignored all the bits in her story where they'd separated seven times in the meantime and that she was living her life in constant fear, waiting for it to happen again. I ignored all the other stories I read where they didn't get him back. I was desperate, desperate for a reason. Because then, then if I had a reason, I could try to find an answer. I read that a midlife crisis is a thing that can take seven to ten years to get out of their system to work through. Oh my fuck, I held on to that hope that we could get through this like... I don't know, like you'd hold on to a winning fucking lottery ticket, except I'd played on the wrong poxy game. Like I could possibly have changed him. I didn't know then that I couldn't change other people no matter how hard I tried. He was done. There was absolutely nothing I could do. He'd moved from I do to he was done. He was looking me in the eye, telling me he didn't love me. But I could not face that as the truth. There's a saying that when someone shows you who they are, believe them. A cat is going to meow. A dog is going to bark. My ex-husband's going to cheat and lie. I couldn't change it. I could only take responsibility for myself. But this part of the grief trek, fuck me, it's horrendous. And I kept going back to this stage, as I'm going to keep calling it, just because it's the easiest way to describe it. I kept going back to this stage every time some new lie was uncovered. It was again why I said it was like an earthquake and the aftershock and tremor again and again and again, because it kept putting me straight back here into this path. And there isn't, unfortunately, a huge amount you can do to pass through this part quickly, except for trying to accept your feelings and trying to feel the emotions, not accepting what's happened, because that doesn't happen until much, much later. That's the destination. But at this part of the journey, just coming to terms with it happening and allowing yourself to start to process this is a good first step. This is where someone told me breath by breath, step by step, and by God, it can be more accurate. Then once you start to process it happening and start to feel the emotions, the sadness and the pain hits, the crying, oh my God, the pain. It genuinely felt for me that my physical heart actually hurt. And this is the stage that I sort of touched upon in the post-divorce depression episode. It's the worst, heavy feeling oppressing every part of you. You've started to process the shock and the emotions come thick and fast in sadness and crying. You just feel sad. Life as you know it is just overwhelming. And every time you think of him in the loss again, 
being overcome with a new wave of sadness. It's exhausting and you just end up withdrawing. I remember once, once I'd gone back to work, walking from the office to the car park, which was about half a mile away, to go on a home visit to a child. And somehow in the office, I'd held it together to a point. And then the minute I walked out of the office, I just cried, sobbed all the way to the car. And then sat in the car, tidied up my makeup, did the visit somehow, came out to my car and just cried again. I went home, straight to bed, ignored all the messages from friends, just trying to check in. I didn't bother eating. I couldn't sleep, just crying all the goddamn fucking time. And it's so important at this stage of the journey to accept support because I know you just feel like you want to withdraw, but getting that support is so important. As is allowing yourself to feel all the feels without judgment of yourself. I remember thinking there must be something wrong with me that I should maybe be getting over it by now that it was, you know, it was me. I was just a wreck. Fuck me. I would never have even thought that if a friend was going through that, let alone say it. But I said shit like this to myself all the time, which is why I'm saying this to you now. If you are in this stage, please be kind to yourself physically and emotionally and try to accept some support when it's offered to you. Like I said at the start, this is not a linear journey, but a roller coaster. And for me, I was back at this part more times than I care to remember. It's entirely normal. And then from here, we move into the anger stage. And there were several really memorable triggers of anger for me. Him lying about sleeping with this supposed new girlfriend, then coming to sleep with me, which was probably still part of the bargaining shit too. Like, if I shag him, I can show him we can get through this. Can I live with this? Can I live with him? You know, then, of course, me finding out about the affair whilst we were still married. So me ending up in the gum clinic as a result, panicking about a fucking STD. She slept around. Her telling me she was pregnant. The bailiff letter. Him lying about the debt. Him lying about my parents' inheritance. Actually, him lying about pretty much anything. As I've said before, it was all trickle truth with my ex. Well, I say trickle truth as such. I just kept finding out bit by bit by bit. He never once volunteered the truth on anything. He never has to this day. I think there is still probably stuff I'll never know now. And the anger that came with all of those lies being caught out. Fuck me, the anger that comes with being betrayed, being lied to, being abandoned, rejected. It was wild at times. And once I lost my shit, I sure as hell made sure he knew about it. There is definitely something in expressing your anger, but there are probably ways you could do it much more safely than I did. Like punching pillows, for example, there is nothing quite like just smashing out all of that anger or a personal favourite, the bottle bank, lunging that bottle in as hard as you can and imagining it's his head. It can be quite therapeutic. Seriously, as much as it all sounds a bit cray-cray, it's also important to try and release the anger in as safe a way as you can because holding on to that anger is also not healthy. 
as the saying goes, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So it is important to release it, but as safe as you can. And then once the anger starts to dissipate, the next stage is depression. Now, I think this is different from the sadness and the pain part I talked about before the anger. And bearing in mind, when you see about stages of grief, they are variations of what I'm talking about here. Often they are death related. And so I'm adapting this to a common order, if you like, for post-divorce grief as I've experienced it and people I know have experienced it. So I'm just kind of putting it in this order. And as I say, I think it is different from that incredible sadness and pain that hits somewhere between the shock and the anger. This is more about starting to realize that there's no going back and learning to heal through this to accept it. But with this comes this dark cloud of hopelessness, of overwhelm. Everything just feels so bleak. Your emotions have been through the spin, wash and dry cycle and repeat. And that's how it feels. And now you just feel empty, like there's nothing left. There is no hope. There feels like there is no future. And with this stage can come the poor me part, the part where we feel like a victim. Now, that sounds judgy and I don't mean it to. It's a normal part of the grieving trek poor me, this has all happened to me. Just don't get stuck on this part. This is commonly the part where I come in as a divorce coach and mentor because it's here where we often feel the most stuck and for the longest time. This part is where we need to go back and re-listen to the post-divorce depression episode. This is where the tools and ideas I shared there will really help you help you to move gradually through because this is where the healing can really happen to move you through to the final stage, which is acceptance. And this is the part where we can honestly say, I'm done. We've got all the way from I do to I'm done and fucking hell what a ride. Not a pleasant journey at all, but a necessary one. It's not to say that occasionally you may find yourself back on the grief journey at one stage or another. Triggers happen and you can find yourself so angry and or sad and or depressed all over again and again and again. But by and large, once you get to the acceptance stage, this is where you get to own your shit and take responsibility for your future. This is where you get to focus on you. It's here where you really can start to heal and write the next part of your story. It's here where you start to learn to harness the pain and turn it into your power. It's here where the magic can really start to happen, my love. It's here where you can feel whole again. It's here where you start to design your amazing new life. And oh my fuck, I'm here for the magic and excitement of that for us all. Yes, it's a shit journey. Yes, it's a trek. We never chose to go on. 
Divorce represents the death of a marriage and all the hopes and dreams that went into it. And the death of a marriage, like any death, does require a grieving process to get us through it. And if you're not quite there yet, then please take this episode as a sign that you sure as hell will be. Because by God, when you've survived this, you can do absolutely fucking anything. It's exactly why the divorce chapter was born. And that magical feeling, the excitement, the hope for the future is just where I'm going to leave you this week. This is acknowledging your resilience, your commitment, your commitment to you, and most importantly, your potential. I'm so excited for you and I'm excited for me. And if you are stuck on any part of this divorce, grief, journey, trek and want some help moving on, please do let me know. I'm always here to help you move forward. I want you to feel the magic of hope for your future. So that's all for me for this week. Until next time, thank you so much, as always, for listening with loads and loads and loads of love from me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Divorce Chapter Podcast. If you've enjoyed the episode, please could you do your girl a solid and rate and review the podcast. Wherever you listen, there should be an option to rate and review. And honestly, I can't tell you just how much it helps the podcast algorithm thingamajigs, whatever. And bonus love for me if you share the episode with your friends and on your socials and tag me in it at the divorce chapter. Thank you again so very, very much. I appreciate every single one of you beautiful humans. Have an amazing day.